You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. This podcast is designed for authorised financial advisors. If you are not an authorised financial advisor, it's important you understand the content of this podcast may be difficult to follow as it assumes you have the necessary training and qualifications to understand the concepts discussed. The information contained in this podcast is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Hello and welcome to First Tech's latest news podcast for March. Now, in today's session, we're going to be covering a range of different issues, including some new and very important superannuation regulations, an update of Superstream and how that's going for self-managed share funds and some recent ATO announcements. Also, a new and quite interesting report on housing affordability that makes some really quite interesting recommendations in relation to super. So we're going to have a quick look at that. And then finally, we're going to finish up with an update on some recently released ATO rates and thresholds that advisors need to know about when they're providing advice that kick off from the 1st of July. My name is Craig Day and I'm the head of the First Tech team. And with me today is Julie Fox, Kim Guest and Peter Wheatland. G'day, guys. Hi, Craig. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hey. And for those listening that haven't heard Peter before, Peter is one of our senior technical services analysts, and this is his inaugural appearance on the First Tech Podcast. So how's it going, Pete? Oh, very well. Thanks, Craig. Excellent. Good to be here. Excellent. All right. So jumping straight into the new superannuation regulations that have just been registered. So Julie, do you want to give us some context of what's going on here and why it's important? Sure. Um, These new regulations were recently made uh, in March and what it does, it removes the work test um, completely from the CIS regulations. So what that means is that from the 1st of July 2022, a superannuation trustee is not going to require the work test or work test exemption for any type of contribution for any member. Um, we, we still have the, the same rules for over 75s, that the only contributions that can be accepted are mandated employer contributions and the downsizer. But that's a nice thing. We don't have to worry about the work test to get money into super. Uh, from 1st of July forward, we only have to think about the work test if clients are uh, looking to claim a tax deduction on their personal contributions and they're from age 67 to 74. Right. Terrific. So nice and simple there. So when you say getting rid of all the work tests uh, for all contributions, obviously that's also going to include personal injury and uh, contributions under the lifetime CGT cap as well. Yeah. Yeah. Before the regs were finalised, we weren't too sure about those contributions, but um, they've just made it so simple uh, for once. It's, it's nice that there's no work test to get money into super. Right. That's fantastic. So obviously we had the bill that included uh, the work test into the Tax Act to claim those tax deductions. That came through a couple of weeks ago. So you might have heard us talking about that then. So that's why we're now just reiterating that now because the final piece of the jigsaw was the CIS regs and we've now got them registered. So everything is looking like we've got some nice, simple rules coming in from the 1st of July next year. Now, moving on to Superstream. More specifically, some new temporary measures to support self-managed super funds having a bit of trouble with the Superstream process. So you may recall Superstream came into effect for all self-managed super funds doing rollovers 
from the 1st of October last year, so 1st of October 2021. Now, what's happening here are funds are having a bit of difficulty complying with the Superstream standards because they're having difficulty obtaining an electronic service address that is rollover capable. So what the ATO has basically said here, that if you are rolling out of a self-managed super fund to a large fund, or you're receiving a rollover from another self-managed super fund, and you're impacted by this situation, you can contact the ATO and request to use the paper-based rollover method that apply prior to the 1st of October 2021. However, and this is quite important, this will only apply where the fund is having difficulties obtaining an electronic service address that is rollover capable. So really important to understand there that many self-managed funds may, may have an electronic service address already, but that electronic service address is only contribution capable, not rollover capable. So in these situations, people are trying to use their that electronic service address and it may not work, or they're trying to get an electronic service address to allow them to roll over within the required three-day timeframe, but they're finding it very difficult. So what the ATO is saying here is that if you're in this situation, you can call them up and request uh, to have, or you can call them up and request to apply the paper-based rollover process. And essentially what the ATO will do is ask you some questions about your fund um, and confirm whether or not your uh, ESA is actually rollover capable or not. And if it's not, then they will give you permission to actually use that um, paper-based rollover process. Now, in that situation, you need to be aware that any sort of rollover that uh, is not done via Superstream post the 1st of October 2021 is actually in contravention of the CIS Act and there could be a reportable breach there. So in that situation, if the ATO is giving you approval to do that, you will need to recall the call reference number and notify the auditor that you have received approval to do that rollover outside the SuperStream uh, rules. So that is what they're saying. If you've got any further questions about it, probably the best people to talk to would be the ATO. Give them a call via the 13... 1020 and uh, the information they're providing is to select the fast key codes four and then one to discuss your options with the ATO. So yeah, really important announcement there if you're looking to roll out of a self-managed super fund, maybe to a large fund or uh, to another self-managed super fund. Now, if you're looking to receive a rollover from a large APRA fund, this rule doesn't apply to you or this exemption, what you'll need to do is contact the, uh, the large APRA fund if you're having problems actually uh, getting a, a, an electronic service address that is rollover capable to allow you to receive the rollover. So just work with the large fund. Okay, Kim, now moving on to a new report that's been put out by, um, I think it's some sort of House of Representatives Standing Committee on housing affordability that makes some quite interesting recommendations in relation to super. Do you want to go through and let us know what they've actually proposed to you or recommended? Yeah, sure. So the report's called The Australian Dream and they're looking at all sorts of um, ways of making housing more affordable. And one of the recommendations that um, involves superannuation is really interesting. It's around using superannuation as security for home loan. Um, and they're, they're saying here that um, it will allow people to 
first home buyers to purchase their own home without having to come up with as much of a deposit. So they can have a smaller deposit because they can use their superannuation fund as security for that home loan. And only in the very rare, infrequent and unexpected event, they said um, that somebody defaults on their home loan, um, then, you know, of course, the, the bank may have to access their superannuation balance. But in the majority of cases, they wouldn't have to. And the result of that policy would be a smaller deposit that they have to save up for. Well, that's that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's it's the old chicken and egg thing here, though, isn't it? If we if we just go and give people more money to buy houses, um, <laughs> does that actually solve the problem, or is it does it just push housing prices up more? Uh, that did the report kind of address that? Yeah, it did. And I mean, most of these kind of recommendations, that's the opposite argument, isn't it? That it, um, it will push up housing prices. And so they, they did say that there also needs to be some changes to the supply side of things so that more housing is available um, to try right. and offset some of those effects. And is this first home buyers only that they're making this recommendation? Yeah, yep, they're talking about first home buyers being able to use right. super as security. So you use your superannuation as security. That's that's also interesting because I think I suppose one of the ways that banks um, feel comfortable that they're happy to lend to you is that you've been able to gem- demonstrate a a savings pattern um, that you've you know you you can actually stick to a budget and save an amount of money. And so that's probably what they've looked at as a good predictor to say that this person is safe to lend money to. So if all of a sudden we're now using all of our super, well, super to to fund all of our deposit, I suppose it means we've got a bigger mortgage. Um, And I wonder what the banks would think about that, whether they would still require some element of savings history and that they wouldn't take all of the super into account. Yeah, these are all good questions. I think it's at this time it's just a proposal in a in a paper. Yeah. It's not even government <laughs> policy. I don't think we've got yeah. a lot of the details, but they're good no. questions. Like, would the finance people actually be happy with that arrangement, and what kind of protections are they going to need um, to to let people use their so super as security? Will be interesting to see if this does become. Yeah, and given we're we're, we're recording this podcast uh, just in the week prior to the federal budget, so important to state here that <laughs> this is not a budget proposal no. that the, the governor is seeking to. It's just a it's just a committee that's come out with this interesting recommendation that we thought we kind of pick up because that would potentially further engage younger people with their superannuation if they if they're thinking that they're actually going to get to use it as a, as a deposit into their first home so interesting interesting recommendation all right moving on to um, some recent uh, recently released ato rates and thresholds so Pete, we've got some new um, rates and thresholds, but we've also got some rates and thresholds going to be staying the same from the 1st of July this year. So do you want to go through and just give us a quick summary? So I think um, let's start off with the contribution caps. Yeah, that's right. So um, the concessional contribution cap and the non-concessional contribution cap are remaining the same. Um, Also, the general transfer balance cap is remaining at Mm $1.7 So that means because... All of those figures are remaining the same. Um, the thre- applicable thresholds for total super balance, when it comes to figuring out how much bring forward, non-concessional bring forward someone can use, mm-hmm. um, they will also remain the same next financial year. Um, All right. What about something like the um, the lifetime the 
the cap that we've got for small business CGT, i.e. the lifetime CGT cap, that normally indexes, is that going up? Yeah, that cap is going up to 1.65 million, up from 1.615. Okay. And what about, so our low rate threshold, so for people that are accessing their super between preservation age and age 60, um, that low rate threshold, which is normally about the same as the ETP cap. So do you want to just summarise both of those? Yeah, the ETP cap and the low rate cap, they are going up to $230,000 next financial year. Right. And what are they currently? I think they're 225000 225000 Right. Okay. And what's happening with superannuation guarantee? Uh, the SG rate is going up from 10% to 10.5%. And the maximum super contribution base is going up to $60,220 per quarter. So what's that per, per year? That's $240,880 per year. Right. So essentially someone earning more than $240,880, they are only going to get their SG calculated on that, on that maximum contribution base of the, the quarterly amount or, or the annual, annual well, amount is what most people keep in their heads. Yeah, the, the employer is only obligated to pay SG on that yeah. amount. Um, they can pay. They can pay, yeah, you're right. So, yeah. Can pay more if they want to. Yeah. All right, terrific. I think, okay, guys, I think that pretty much sums it up. It's pretty short and sweet for this month. Um, obviously, we've got the federal budget, so some people might be listening to this after that's been announced. Um, so um, we might be talking a bit more uh, in future uh, in the next podcast, latest news about not only um, what was announced in the federal budget and well, it all depends on when the when the next election is going to be and, and uh, I, I would assume that's still going to be a couple of months away so we may have a few announcements from both the government and uh, the opposition in relation to what they're going to do in relation to superannuation and tax. Some of that might get announced in the federal budget and the, and the opposition's reply uh, next week um, or we may see some further announcements uh, coming out in the federal election that everyone is expecting to be announced pretty soon. So anyway, guys, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Thanks Craig. Craig. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the First Tech Podcast. Please note these podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors as a source of general information. All scenarios considered during this podcast were purely hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. You should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decisions and once again consider talking to a financial advisor. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be accurate and reliable, no person, including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited, accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.